listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel. And yeah, I know it's been a while. <laughs> I believe me, I know. Ever since that site crash and everything else, I have just been so busy and I haven't had the time to re-record. And for that, my listeners, I am truly, truly sorry. I've wanted to come back to you, and here we are. Brand new show, brand new format, and I even have a special surprise for all of you. I know, I know, but between seasons three and four, I kept saying I was going to get a co-host, I was going to get a co-host. Well, guess what? Everyone, this is Ritz Cracker. Ritz Cracker, we'll just call you Ritzy for short, that's probably easier. Why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, so I'm Ritzy, or some people call me Ritz Cracker. Very excited to be on the show. Um, I have a variety of different experiences to bring, and I'm excited to work with Rope Squirrel here and bring you all of the exciting news and information that we have to provide. I'm so glad to have Ritzy. It's just so nice to finally not be talking to myself all the time. <laughs> okay, I had interviews here and there, but you know, it was nice to, it's nice to have somebody to talk to so I don't feel like I'm monologuing every time. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Rope Squirrel. Um, I was your co-host for seasons one through five, but forget seasons we're not doing seasons anymore we're doing numbers and because i don't want to count we're starting at 50 so this is episode 50 of kink in the chain welcome here's what's kinky this week we have an article that we found it's not too tremendously old it's only from may 29th so it's relatively recent but it only goes to reinforce the very same things that we talk about all the time that us as kinksters are a lot more healthier than all of those vanillas out there. And I, I've seen study after study. For example, all of us kinksters, we tend to be very open about our sexual needs. We tend to be very communicative with our partners. And time and time again, medical science proves that our relationships tend to be a lot more healthier than all the other ones. So Ritzy, what did you think about this article? I found it very fascinating. What is your take on it? Fascinating, yes. It has a variety of information about the BDSM community and people's dislikes and what they are drawn to. It also goes over a typical roles that people have, which I found, I, I guess because I've been in the community so long, I was like agreeing with a lot of the material that was being posted in this article. I thought it was kind of interesting that they it was specifically for Italians, so admittedly it wasn't covering the United States. But I admit, I've gone to cons around the United States that have actually had uh, licensed therapists on staff. They ask you the questions, and they gave us all a grade. And every single time, every couple that comes out of there with a few minor outliers have all been more communicative, have stayed together, are more willing to talk about issues with one another, as opposed to the vanillas who think we're all crazy, and yet we're so much healthier than they are. We have such more deeper and more meaningful relationships. I've never been in that situation, and I was like, even though it's from the, like you made the comments that it was from the Italian research, but 
you can actually associate a lot of this information still with the United States and how everybody in the our community as well has the same ideas and practices. Um, I would have to agree that there is a lot more commutative um, because if you're in a specific vanilla relationship, um, if you're in a specific vanilla relationship, you, sometimes you don't know how to deal with different scenarios such as conflict resolution and people who have been in these kind of relationships the BDSM relationships they are learning because they want to keep their relationship strong keep going and they don't want to actually hurt someone in a negative manner that will cause them to lose a partner or a toy indeed and I want to quote just a small piece of this because I thought it was just really interesting one study found that BDSM practitioners in some respects appeared to have better mental health than individuals in the general population. Although when looked at more details, the findings showed that it was those who preferred the dominant role who enjoyed these particular benefits. Dominants had higher subjective well-being and lower rejection sensitivity than submissives or switches, and a control group of people drawn from the general population. And a more recent study looking at sexual satisfaction and functioning and the findings were comparable to those of previous studies and found that dominance seemed to be particularly well off as, and basically they were just more well off. Um, they also found positive outcomes for switches. So, you know, that's always a good thing. Uh, but I, it is interesting to see that all these tops and just in general, all of our minds are so much better. Why would you ever want to be vanilla? Hmm? I don't know. Well, some people do prefer it. I mean, it is a lifestyle choice. It's a flavor. That's true. It is a flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with our vanillas. We love you all. Thank you very much. I'm just curious, when they talk about the dominant um, in some of this, are they talking about male and female dominants? Or are they talking about just specifically everybody? Or I was just trying to figure that out when I was looking into more details. So it looks like uh, it, when you break down the study of uh, 141 men and 125 women, it was pretty much across the board. Um, they got to pick which side of the slash they were on when they when they signed up for the study. So it looks like it was both men and women who were in the dominant role and men and women in the submissive role. And of course, tons of switches all over the place. Um, so practitioners indicated their preferred role, uh, dominant, submissive, or switch, and provided detailed information about their sexual behaviors and practices. So we had both. Yep, and then I was looking at the charts as well, because um, as women, they always seem to fall towards the submissive side, which um, is normal for around this area as well. So the charts, I was looking at the charts, and I was like, huh, that, I guess that is normal for people to fall into those different categories and that percentages um even though it's not it's italian i was also thinking does this could this be actually the same numbers in the united states would women actually be 50 percent of the submissive roles is that just a common thing or is that something that's just local to the article well and i will find the ncsf study from i think it was 2016 um, and it's interesting because these graphs are way skewed from what uh, what it was the previous time. In that, in the previous one, I saw the the male tops and the male uh, subs were all kind of fifty fifty, like a fourth of the pie each. Um, and then switch was was just a tiny little sliver. I'm sorry, hat. Let me rephrase that. 
And it's interesting because those pie charts are way skewed because they used to be about 50-50 with a tiny little pie chart for Switch, and the other two were taken up by top, uh, dominant top men and submissive men. But then the women seems to be about on par. There does seem to be an infl- a large surplus of submissive women. It's Call it societal conditioning, call it whatever you want, um, but it, that seems to be true throughout the community. Of course, we love our dominant women, too. They're, they're, they're great. Couldn't do what we do without them. Um, I, I am quite surprised at how small the switch category is for, for women, but it, I guess it doesn't surprise me anymore. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. Cause, um, very few people actually embrace the switch side. A lot of people are like, okay, I have to be one or the other and I can't go back and forth or in that mindset. So I found it very refreshing to see that more people are admitting to being switching from side to side according to what you were just talking about as well oh and i remember when i first came into the community it being that switch was a dirty word that you shouldn't be a switch that you just haven't find the right right top or bottom yet so you need to pick a side i mean granted in this day and age switch has become rather not a dirty word anymore i i I know tons of switches who are out and proud Um, and it is refreshing to see a growing population of female switches too, because I think that's the best way to be. I don't know about you. (laughs) That sounds like you have some bias. Oh, yeah. Just, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. (laughs) I, uh, um, I usually fall into the dominant category a majority of the time. Um, it's not because of the word switch it's it has to do with trust issues and everything else that occurs so there's more to my backstory but yeah so i can see your ideas well i'm sure we'll get into your backstory in future episodes of course yes we want to learn everything about you because they're tired of hearing me talk (laughs) we had one episode with a with a female on it at the very start of the very first season and then (laughs) Then it was just me monologuing for five seasons, so I'm sure they're very glad to have you, Ritzy. But at least now you're really good at monologuing, so if you ever become an evil villain, you certainly have the monologuing down. Yes, Mr. Bald. <laughs> we shall. Uh, who says I'm not an uh, evil mastermind on the weekends, you know? Oh, you probably are. Of course, you know, I like to play with my with my toys first, so, you know. Yeah, of course. Quite evil. But again, you don't want to break them. So you'll have, just like that article, you really want to focus on your communication and your relationship so that you can play with your toys multiple times instead of losing such a great toy. Agreed. So my listeners, I will link to this article in the in the post about this. Feel free to check it out. It's really quite interesting. Um, I've, I've seen this study conducted a number of times, and it just every single time makes me so happy that we are what we are. Um, and it's further validation that as kinksters, we are not crazy. So I am very happy to see this in medical journals. I mean, this is psychology today. It's a, it's a big deal. So I'm, thank you. Well, my listeners, it's time for that time of the show when we answer your questions. And yeah, I know the mailbag has been getting a little full lately. I'm sorry. I really am. Really. I see all these questions pile up and I'm like, oh, I want to email every single one of you and answer them, but I can't. I don't have the time. But now I have help. So it's going to be so much greater. 
for our first question of our new series. Greg from California, congratulations, you're on deck. So here's what Greg wrote. I often have difficulty when dating. I tend to use services like Match.com or OkCupid, and can sometimes it can be hard to broach the topic if someone is kinky or not, or if they are even interested. How long should I wait before I come out to them? BDSM and kinks are big parts of my life, and I could not have a relationship that didn't have them. But I don't want to scare anyone off either. Hmm. That's a tricky one, isn't it, Ritzy? Not really. I actually think that it really matters on the person and how long they're willing to wait. Um, some people go straight up and ask that question right away, like the first date. Other people will wait a couple of months and actually see if the relationship's even going to work before they approach it. So it really matters on the person and their if they want to dedicate their life to somebody or not. Do they actually want to take the time? Some people are like, no, I don't. I don't want to waste my time with these people, so I'm going to be straightforward with them from day one. So it really matters on the person and how long you're willing to wait or figure out a different route to approaching the situation. And I and I agree with you on a lot of that. Um, some of the tricks I've used to figure out if someone's kinky, I even though it's not a great litmus test, I will usually ask them like, what is your opinion on gay marriage? Now, the problem with that question, at least nowadays, and there's no, again, there's nothing wrong with being gay or anything. Obviously, I'm very pro-LGBT and all that jazz. But the problem with that question nowadays is that gay marriage has been somewhat more accepted than it used to be. Now, you know, five, ten years ago, it was not quite as universally accepted as it is today, and I'm very glad that it is where it is today. But that question was a great litmus test because if they immediately recoiled at that thought, you were like, okay, well, you're probably not going to be accepting, if you don't accept the mainstream convention, um, alternative lifestyle, it's highly doubtful you're going to like that one. Um, match, or uh, not match.com, OkCupid has that whole section uh, specifically on sex questions, and there's a few of those that I I like always star, and, and some of them are obvious, such as uh, you know, who what do you want to do? You bring the toys in the bedroom? Would you rather be tied or not tied? Uh, would you rather do the tying or not do the tying? Whatever. There's all these little little questions, so those are more overt. Personally, though, I try to broach it as soon as absolutely possible because if they're not interested in that, as somewhat of societal expectations of me buying dinners and that kind of thing. I don't really want to waste my time with somebody who's not even going to be interested in any way, shape or form. So I tend to bring it up immediately. Hi, I'm squirrel and, and I'm kinky and boom. And if they immediately recoil, I don't waste my time. Any thoughts on that Ritzy? Well, it sounds like you're very, a direct person there, squirrel. Uh, you sound like you're like, I need to get this out of the way and to the direct points. Me, on the other hand, I'm more of the person who has to feel around first. Because if they're like approaching me first thing, and be like, I want a family, I want to get married, things like that. I'm like, sometimes that also is a disconnect from some communities. Because if they're more like on the marriage route, marriage child route, that also can mean like, they're not because they're literally focused on just one person and I want this thing. It's not every situation. I'm saying one example of what I've been through. So that was my opinion to go along with yours. <laughs> so yeah, 
and I can see that definitely. If uh, if people are looking for more stability, they may not be interested in in sexual exploration, or at least not as much public exploration. But uh, I can definitely see what you're saying there. But then we also have to think about like, the current dating situation. A lot of people meet people online now, and because you're learning about each other online, does is the approach different than if you would actually? be in person. So would you actually approach it right away when you're in person? Or would you, if you're online, approach it online right away? Since you're one of those people that ask immediately. I pretty much do it uh, on both. I I will do it immediately on both. Um, usually I won't, as per standard dating conventions, we usually try to, I try to have a phone call with that person beforehand, or at least a, you know, a few emails or something. So there's always that digital trail where, um, you know, usually you start with, you know, hi, I'm Squirrel and, and, you know, I want to want to have a conversation with you and whatever. I do understand that it can seem kind of a bit of, of, of coming on too strong because I do know there's a double standard there that uh, if you're at an event and let's just say you walk up to somebody and the first thing you say is, hi, I'm Squirrel and I'm into I'm into bondage. Some people, some people might recoil a little bit, especially if it's coming from a male identifying person. It just tends to be like, oh, you know, is that all you think about? Whereas coming the other direction, hi, I'm, I'm Ritzy and I'm into bondage. And it's like, ooh, hello. Um, a very different reaction from the two of us. But honestly, I just don't want to waste my time. So it's, hi, I'm the person you met online. And now let's, let's, let's talk. Um, this is a big part of my life. If that's not a pro- if that's a problem for you, then you know, sorry. And it, it ends up, yeah, sure, people get th- uh, dumped quickly, but I still think it's a better solution because if I'm not, if they're not into that, then I don't want to waste my time. Greg asked a great question. On his question, he said, "But I don't want to scare anyone away either. Sometimes you just have to scare away people." to create that connection, create that honesty and create that relationship. I mean, yes, you might lose some great people, but if they're not fitting into your current lifestyle, then what's the point of having them around in the first place? Yeah. So I would say maybe don't open with it. Like as the very, very, very first thing you say, have a very brief conversation just to get to know each other's names and a little bit about each other. But then immediately after that is is pretty much so that way it doesn't come on too strong but at the same time you're not wasting their time and i'll admit i've been stood up a few times by people and you're going to get a bunch of rejections um some people just go you know i thought it was interesting but no and that's fine as we all know kinkiness is not everyone's cup of tea right and current research i've found out that there's a lot more females than males so men will have a lot more luck finding those lovely fish in the sea that they want to catch why do you think that is it's because of our current lifestyle choices Mm. so yeah you and i both enjoy our kinks so or wouldn't be doing this podcast (laughs) Uh, very true well do you have anything else to add on this one ritzy no, I said my piece. Awesome. Well, would you like to lead off on our next question? Our next question is from Carrie from Massachusetts. She states, I've had a string of bad luck lately. I keep meeting people who are poly, 
but apparently this is news to their partner. In essence, they are cheating on their partner and attempting to justify it by saying that they're poly. Don't misunderstand me. There is nothing wrong with poly and I'm fine with it. However, when the unaware partner finds out, there is often a confrontation with me and I feel awful about it. How can I vet that someone is actually poly before I sink my heart into someone? Rope squirrel, what do you think? Carrie, that is, that's unfortunate. Um, I, I've seen this a lot in the in the poly community. Um, I've dated a number of people who've, who've didn't last long, admittedly, but I have dated a number of people that have had this as well. The thing that I did personally was when those people approached me, I immediately asked to speak with their partners um, just to kind of see what, what they were. It's like, you know, I, I understand you're poly. You know, can I talk to your partner? That shouldn't be a problem if you're poly. Uh, and what you'll normally get, sometimes you'll get a defensive stance where they'll just be like, um, no, they don't want to know about what I do. Like, well, but they should. Any relationship should have communication. And even if they don't have to know, you know, oh, well, we did this in bed or something like that. They at least need to know that who I am and, you know, can I just have a conversation with them? And what you'll sometimes find is some of those people go, oh, you know what? I don't want to do this. And those are the kind of relationships I immediately steer away from because clearly they're not communicating with their partner um, and they could definitely be attempting to cheat on them. I made the mistake when I first, my very first girlfriend that I ever had that I did not ask that question. And what was even sadder is I was best friends with her husband. But every single time that she told me that she was poly and he was okay with it and he just didn't want to know, that placated me and I chose not to engage him about it. And every time that I wanted to talk to him about it, she would placate me again, say, no, he's fine with it. And guess what? I found out at the end, he was not okay with it. So asking that question, getting the go-ahead of the partner, I think would be a great first step to kind of mitigate that entire problem. But what do you think, Ritzy? So I actually live in a area where the community is amazing. Everybody is very public about each other. And usually if I'm trying to find out about someone specific, I ask around, like, are they into certain things? Are they safe to play with? Are they safe to date? Do their wife know, etc.? Because a lot of people will tell you if they've been in a relationship with them before or things like that happens, that they might pr uh, provide information to you that you might have not gotten by just asking the individual. So sometimes it's nice to reach out to others. It doesn't work for every scenario, but I think sometimes if people know about the people, that always helps. So a kinky background check, or I guess a poly background check in this case. Yeah, something like that, where you're actually having communication with other people and finding out information. It's not to hurt the other person. It's not like you don't trust the other person. It's just to find out anything like red flags. Yeah, and, and you should do that both in kink and poly and life. It's always good to get second opinions, to talk to people's friends, or in this particular case, talk to the entire community and just what is their general gauge. Now... Sometimes people can be excised for reasons that may not be valid, so don't necessarily take it as your only source, but it's certainly a red flag if it pops up, and then use your best judgment. 
um, because you don't want to you don't want to be in that situation. Right, I agree with you there, Rogue Squirrel. Also, some situations that occur are things like if the other partner truly does not want to meet you, doesn't want to talk to you. There are those points where you won't know for sure. But if they're not willing to meet you or find out a little bit about you or introduce yourselves to each other, you know they're truly uncomfortable with the situation. And that can actually lead into bad situations long term. So if you are just meeting them or just having a quick conversation like, hello, my name is, and like, oh, hello, my name is, at least then you know that they're not going to hurt you right away. Very true. And some of the excuses I've heard that seem maybe a little plausible the the best one i ever heard was well my husband is in the military and you know so you can't meet him he's deployed currently um but he's fine with me doing it and i definitely that was one case where i was like well i don't want to meet him but the guy has guns (laughs) so you know i I, as much i not that i don't trust you but i don't want to risk it sorry um so let let's let's move on from that and my other recommendation for you is uh keep records um what saved me in the relationship that i was in that i was stupid enough not to ask uh, was the fact that her and i had communicated via email and over and over she had said the exact same thing of oh my husband's fine with it so i'm actually still friends with her husband today which is kind of weird in a way but having those records is what uh, you know he, he when we sat down for in the restaurant for the first time which admittedly I had a can of mace in my back pocket just in case but when we sat down in that restaurant he pulled out those emails and like dude you know I I'm sorry you're not to blame here and like oh thank god so having those records of you know if they sent you an email and said oh yeah my husband or wife is fine with it like they said they were fine with it here's the email From personal experience, I've been in relationships where the other partner is fine with it, but I personally don't believe that. If they're not okay with poly or don't practice it, like if they don't practice it, they're truly not okay with it. They're just like, this is my one person, my one person only. Eventually that will eat away at them and it will take them down, which will cause a problem in my relationship later on because that's what happened to me about several times. I hear you. Yeah, it, it, there are some people who are also pretending to be poly because they're because their partner's poly, but they're not practicing it. So like their partner's running around and having their fun, and rightfully so. And I'm not saying it's that partner's fault either, because you know the the one partner who's not really into it but just says they are gave that other part person permission to do it. But that's definitely going to cause a little bit of a rift in the relationship when that person who's only pretending to be Polly, when it finally catches up with them, they're like, uh, yeah, not, I'm not really okay with this anymore. And yeah, and it's perfectly fine to not be Polly. It's perfectly fine to be Polly. It just depends. You just, the two of you have to be on the same page. Communication, that is key in Yay. any relationship. Yes. Um, open that closet door, pull out those skeletons, and you need to have long, dark, talks about everything in that closet then throw away the skeletons and pull out all the dirty rags and talk about those yeah communication is going to eat away at your relationship so if you're not communicating even even if they're not cheating on them that's still a bad sign so definitely make sure that you have those conversations with their partner if you can um, because that's going to save you in the end so it sounds like communication 
is the answer for the first two questions that we had. I think communication is the answer to a lot of relationship problems. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And a lot of people don't know how to communicate. So if it comes to like, if they don't know how to explain their situation, then sometimes it's best to ask for help, get a mediator, things like that, that help you through the challenges of communication. And I've said this before, my listeners, the easiest answer that either of us can give, either Ritzy or myself, is we can tell you to break up. That's the easiest answer we could give you. But you're not writing us because you want us to tell you that it's a bad match. You're, you're writing us because you want us to fix your problems. So we're going to do our absolute best. But understand that there may be some times when that relationship is just no longer viable. And it's going to be very rare if you ever hear either of us say, yeah, you two should just break up. But there are times when, yeah, you two should just break up. <laughs> it really matters on the person and the scenario. It does. All right, let's move on to question number three. Hooray! The last question of the night. Montana. Nice. So Grace from Montana asks, This probably sounds self-conscious, but I can't help myself. Whenever I'm playing with someone, the number one thing that's running through my mind, often to the detriment of the scene, is are they having a good time? I keep trying to look for some kind of signal from them, and honestly, I'm not sure what I'm looking for. I talk to them after the scene is over, and most if not all of the people say they had a great time, but I often worry that they're just trying to spare my feelings. What should I be looking for to quiet my anxiety about my performance? What do you think, Ritzy? I believe that the answer to this question, as well as the other two, is communication. You need to communicate with the other person and ask them questions. They can be as simple as like, did you enjoy that? Or do you want more of this? Because that way that always gives them some feedback and it gives you feedback because you can tell by their responses if it's not good or if it is good. That's where I'm starting off there. How about you, Rope Squirrel, jump in? (laughs) Well, what I would recommend, first and foremost, uh, feedback during a scene can be very difficult. Um, What I would say is during a scene, because you don't want to ruin anything, I can understand them not necessarily giving you negative feedback because, you know, when you're both having fun, you know, it, it kind of sucks to, to hear somebody complaining about what you're doing. But here's what I'd recommend. During the scene, get positive feedback. Did you like that? Or you can even ask it in, you know, those sexy ways like, hmm, did you like that? Or something like that. Get that positive feedback for yourself. That's going to help bolster your ability to play. But conversely, I also think that after the scene is over, after the aftercare is done and they're done with sub drop or whatever it might be, uh, that you also seek the negative feedback. And the reason for that is, is because if we all keep getting positive feedback, we never know that we need how to improve. Uh, Every single play partner that you're going to play with is going to be different. I've had some people who, uh, there's one person I used to play with, I don't think she even comes around anymore. I called her the stone because she never said anything, never squeaked, never moaned, never, nothing. There was nothing. She just stood there stoically and didn't make a sound. And I, as a person who needs a little bit of feedback during a scene, would keep stopping the scene and going, "Are, are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm having a great time. Okay, could you like moan a little or something? Like, because I feel like I'm just beating a wall here. And then afterward, after all the aftercare, I would get that negative feedback like, so what could I do better next time? 
And frame it like that. There's also the compliment sandwich, which I rather like as a communication tool where they give you something good, something bad, and something good. And that way it doesn't feel quite as bad. Like, well, I really loved how you flogged me. I didn't like when you hit me here, but I really liked the aftercare at the end. And that whole thing is like, oh, okay, well, I can improve that. And each person's going to have different feedback that, so don't take, if somebody tells you you did a poor job flogging them, that may be exactly what somebody else wants over here. So just keep that in mind that you're going to have to tailor to each person and you're not going to get it right probably the first time. No two people click usually on the very first play session, at least in my experience. So Squirrel, you do have some great advice there, but I also think you need to also mention the beginning. If you have everything set up from the start, like the rules, the regulations, the reds, the yellows, things like that, then it actually makes the scene go a little more smoothly. And there's less doubt that occurs because you're like, okay, well, they already said they like this, this, and this, so that I know, or they already told me they're going to do this, this, and this. So I already know that it's going to be something I like or enjoy and they like and enjoy. So even if they don't give me a response, it's still something we've already set up to enjoy with each other. Yeah, but keep in mind, it could also be, like I was saying, your technique. So somebody who likes flogging, maybe you just don't do it the same way that they like it. Or they don't like the, the certain things about how you're doing it. So even though they said, yeah, let's flog me, they may go, yeah, but could you work on my ass for a little more or something? Because I just didn't like it on my back all the time. So getting that feedback is definitely important. Um, some people are definitely going to try to sugarcoat what they tell you. They're going to be very nice and not, they don't want to give you bad, uh, bad feedback during the, during the scene. And that's completely fine, but have those conversations, communication, like we said, have those conversations after the scene is over, figure out what's wrong and plan for that next scene where you'll fix all those problems and probably generate new ones. But, uh, no scene ever goes exactly the way you plan it in my experience. It also matters on the scene too, because if something's super dangerous, like I'm into like the high risk types of play, and if they're not communicating, I can do long term damage to them. So I always like to have feedback, and that's set from the beginning. Like I have to have this feedback during this, so I know that everything's okay, that you're all right, that everything is going right, and I'm not hurting you in a negative way where we have to put you in the hospital. Well, and I just throw live squirrels at people, so you know that that's my kind of play. That's. Yeah, but sometimes those squirrels, they get a little, you know, antsy and, and, and they tend to chew people's ears off, you know, so it can be a terrible, no, of course that's not what I do, but we, right, yeah, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I've, I've never done real squirrel play. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, some reason I don't believe you. I believe that you are that type of person who would actually pull that off hey you know i've always wanted to train my own attack squirrel that sits on my shoulder like a pirate parrot i think that would be pretty sweet it'd be like that would be pretty amazing be like kill and it goes <laughs> and just goes yeah <laughs> it'd be fun right so anything else for for grace ritzy no i think we covered both the beginning middle and end of that question sweet we got the whole sandwich well, my listeners, that concludes our questions, and I really appreciate you sticking with us. I know it's been a while since I've recorded, and now that I've got Ritzy, I've got some accountability, because she beats me if I don't record. Literally. It's great time. Oh, oh it's it's awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, that, that's a question. Is that actually an incentive or a disincentive? I'm not sure. <laughs> we might have to leave that for next episode. Yes, we might. 
So, my listeners, we're going to close it out. And as always, stay kinky, my friends. Check us out on the web, the web. at kinkinthechain.com. Follow us on Twitter at Kink Chain Show. Or call us at 804-404-KINK. We don't bite unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com.